2: while you pray there's no way to hide what would you decide when it's on the line would you do or die would you compromise or would you stand through the storm and roll with the tide would you be the one to fight or the one to hide you can never touch a sky don't try to fly
3: rocky Rose but we stay unshaken been through it all and still unbreakable
0: what is up guys welcome to the reborn podcast we are live here uh I'm going to, we're going to do a show today. It's going to be a good show. I want to talk about, we're going to talk about 2022. Um, And I want to do an amazing recap of some of the most epic guests that I have had on the show. I currently uh, just finished two rice cakes and peanut butter with sugar-free maple syrup.
4: Yeah, I don't, I really don't understand how you can eat those.
0: I keep trying to tell Blue to, I keep wanting to be a good, I'm working on my um, what do you call it? My um, homemaker skill. No, my homemaker skill. My you know, just anyways. I offered him a rice one of my rice cakes, which during my prep was your hospitality skills. (laughs) I was sharing. I was sharing. (laughs) I was trying.
4: I was wanting to share.
0: I was wanting to share my my rice cake with you because during my prep that I had, I absolutely was not. Ever sharing she her actually,
4: rice cake. Yeah, that was actually pretty funny. She you threatened Trip.
0: Oh well, I came down one morning and he was eating one of my rice cakes. Which yet
4: again, I don't know why Trip was eating <laughs> rice cakes because it tastes like cardboard.
0: I actually like the taste of rice cakes.
4: Yeah. I And I'm I was I, and I get
0: the lightly salted ones and I was telling Blue, I was like, Well, we could get excited here and you know go on an adventure and do like the caramel kind that'll really be like a party in your mouth. so i I'm, I'm still eating rice cakes i um i did we're a couple days we're recording this and in the year episode it's a couple days to christmas and i did something to my back for the first time and i'm so embarrassed to like even say this because i feel like a 90 year old woman well
4: grandma ashley walking around the house yeah
0: and it's it's been extremely uncomfortable and i remember what what do you call it like you threw out your back or what is it
4: and no it's just normally it happens if you haven't like done a certain leg exercise or you do sports that normally happen to me whenever (laughs) i do sports again
0: I, i literally did nothing
4: you you played some soccer
0: yeah. Okay. So I am going to blame, I'm going to blame it on soccer, I guess, because we, we went played. out, we were very motivated after the world cup. We watched the world yeah, cup. Yeah.
4: Let's go Argentina. Messi did it.
0: And we were inspired. So we took the boys out to the, um, to the soccer fields and my boys are getting bigger and they're starting to weight train. They're starting to weight train a lot. They're going to the gym. Yep. And of course I'm competitive. And so, you know whether it was us playing against each other or I'm not sure, but anyways,
4: basically her log her her legs are locking up her her back they're just so yeah.
0: But my tight. running I I've really enjoyed coming back from my prep something that I didn't do the last couple weeks like or probably the last month two months leading up to my final two shows was running and I've been able to get out in the morning and and really work on the condition of my dogs and and run. And on the day of the World Cup, I guess that morning, anyways, I did some sprints. My last run that I did, I just belted out like two miles of sprints, and I crushed it and I just felt strong. It feels good to have energy back. and uh and, and it I
4: crushed her. and I
0: think it, yeah, I think it crushed me. <laughs> sometimes you just get going though on a run.
4: Yeah. And have you ever high.
0: done that? and then and sometimes have you ever gone too far? and then you're like, oh shit, I gotta go back. No, I've done that so many times when you just feel so good and you just keep running because you think you're going to feel that same energy on the way back. And then, like, you kind of like check back into reality and you're like, whoa, I've just ran five miles, but now I got to go five miles back.
4: Yeah, I can't say it. Me and running don't have a relationship like that. <laughs> Most of the runner. time, it's like, all right, I'm doing three or I'm doing four <laughs> miles today. How fast can I get this done and over with? That's
0: good. I do like the three mile mark. Yeah, threes, or like the five, the five k, the three point two. Yeah, three, three miles. That is a sweet good. Spot. Yeah, that is a good. I feel like that's a good number, and one to to kind of work on consistently because you can. It's easy to track. You know, you have your. You can even break it up into a, a warm up mile. Yeah, and then a you can do like a hit with like mile two, and then you can do a cool down mile mile three but there's so many things with like just that there's a sweet spot with that that three that three mile number mm-hmm. that it's a it's a sweet number
4: yeah so and it's not too far and my body doesn't hurt after i'm yeah, done
0: right yeah it's not like you can still go into your strength training yeah knowing that you know you didn't over you didn't overdo it yeah. so whether it was something i did i don't know <laughs> anyways i'm hoping to feel better by tomorrow, but it's been extremely difficult the last couple of days because I haven't been able to work out, but I'm still eating my rice cakes.
4: So. Yeah. so Let's go rice cakes. Let's go
0: rice cakes. Oh my gosh. So I want to talk about, um, I, I feel like we need to have an, an entire episode of just my year in review I think that would be like a great kind of highlight thing that we can also do. Yeah. Today, I really want to focus on, I want to focus on some of the guests that I've had because I've had a lot of guests on, um, this podcast or this last season that I really want to highlight that if you're just now kind of starting to listen to the Reborn podcast, and this is going to be a great highlight reel for some of the episodes that you might want to go back and download and check out. And make sure guys, you know, this is something free that I offer to you guys. The only thing that I really ask in return, if there's an episode that either spoke to you, that motivated you, that inspired you, or if you got something in return, I really want you to just... um, um, share that. Go out and share that for me. Leave me re- a review. Shoot me a DM. Um, if there's a guest that you guys want to see, come on the Reborn show in 2023. Totally, let me know. Uh, send me a, D- a DM on the Reborn uh, podcast Instagram. It's at Reborn Pod. So my first, my first guest that I want to highlight from 2022 is uh, number 10, Andrea Allen. It was the Be Fearless episode back in March. I spoke with Andrea. She is the CEO of DFH Training and has been a certified personal trainer for more than 15 years. She specializes in fitness programs for young mothers and has been featured in outlets including Good Morning America, People Magazine, and more. She's also the host of Make It Simple podcast. It was a powerful conversation about entrepreneurism and fitness, but also about the legacy to leave behind one day. Here is the clip. Tell me where this passion for fitness um, came from and, and where it evolved at.
1: Yeah. So I, when I went to college, I went through a really depressive state. I missed home. I didn't connect with anyone. And I remember laying on my bed and just watching the ceiling fan for like hours because I just, there was just nothing in me. Depression, anyone who know, who has dealt with depression, it's very real. And it makes you feel like not doing anything. And my dad is an amazing man. And he, I would talk to him on the phone and he'd say, I need you to go outside and go on a walk. I need you to go outside and move your body. I think it will lift your spirits. And so I said, "Okay, dad, whatever." And so I started walking and then that turned into running and then I experienced endorphins for the first mm-hmm. time in a while. I was an athlete in high school, mm-hmm. but obviously after high school you're not, you know, doing the sports anymore, so I I just was sitting around a lot more. And I learned that those endorphins were powerful, mm, that they can mm-hmm. change the way you feel. And so I got into lifting and I got into teaching and I changed my major to public health education because I was like, this whole fitness thing is powerful in the way people feel, in mm-hmm. the way they feel on the inside, not just the way they look, mm-hmm. but it pulled me out of a complete depressive episode. And I never looked back after that. I just kept getting certifications and dealing with you know, more things and learning more and then after I had my twins, I was like, oh, there's no spot in the fitness world for me anymore. I felt like a fish out of water. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't fit the mold where I could go to the gym like I used to. I didn't even have time to teach classes anymore. Like I was so busy trying to like get them both, you know, changed and fed and everything. And so I was like, I I got to figure out how to make this work for me. And so I just kind of went, that's when I went from home And just said, I'm going to share what I do at home because I can't be the only person who's struggling with this, but still wants to be healthy. And that's kind of where it grew from, you know, helping me out of depression to then helping me feel accomplished as a mother who was overwhelmed. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. So it sounds like as we begin to pull back the layers of Andrea, that your your first uh connection with health and fitness was whenever it got you out of your depressive state and you yeah. started moving your body um, is that where your passion for coaching women came about or was it, was it, was it a mixture of like both? You just wanted to spread the message of just like how, you know, your, your first real connection with fitness and you wanted to share that with others. Or was it after you had your twins, then, you know, you're like, wow, I need to help these women. Where, where, did your, um, passion specifically
1: for women kind of come about? I would say it was my passion for fitness came after it helped me out of depression My passion for helping other women definitely came after I had my kids because I started to notice this gap in the fitness industry where you're either this or you're this, and there didn't seem to be a really good space for women and especially young mothers. And I knew I was struggling with it. And I was like, if I'm struggling with how to make you know fitness and health work and like this is my major i'm certified i'm a trainer i teach classes and i'm struggling with it other women are too mm-hmm,
5: mm-hmm. because
1: i had the know-how and i was still like how do i fit you know everything in and so it started then because i i had people say to me when i was working back to get in shape after the twins why don't you just share? You know, it was when social media was kind of starting. Why don't you just share what you're doing? Why don't you mm-hmm. just share? And so I started like posting the foods I ate and posting simple workouts mm-hmm. to do at home, and and it just grew. And then as that happened, I feel like the mental health side kind of kicked in, where I saw a complete um, lack of confidence and self worth among women and especially young mothers. That I was like oh no, Mm -hmm. we got to fix this. We have to make people realize like, especially females, sorry, I get emotional, but um, they're so underrated. Like they're so much more powerful than they realize and how much they have influence. But somehow I think a lot of females, especially have got in their mind, like I don't, I'm no one, I'm this. And I'm like, no, 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 it's in there. Mm -hmm. You just got to find it, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, we're just constantly comparing ourselves. I mean, the world, the world has set unrealistic standards for us as, you know, being females, trying to raise a family and then running business and taking care of ourselves. Like it's easy for us. You can never win. Yeah. It's easy to put ourselves last. Um, but you know, I think that whenever I was in, like it was right after I had my first son, um, One of the, one of the problems is people like what you, you've experienced this, like with the, you know, having the twins and feeling like that nobody else was out there like you. Yeah. The thing is, is like, there are people out there like you. They're, they're just not talking about it. They're not sharing it. And, um, for me, whenever I first, I got into the fitness industry, um, It was after I had my first son and I wanted to compete. I really wanted to, you know, that I got into competing and I wanted to be a fitness model. Well, I've had all C-sections and I had stretch marks. And at, at the time I was thinking like, wow, this is something that I really want to become and, and and something that I aspire to be. But I was like, I felt like I was like, I am not good enough. I cannot do this because of all of these flaws that I have that nobody else in this industry has. It wasn't until I actually went to go do a test shoot for a cover of a magazine. And I had, I, I naturally just walked up and started apologizing for my stretch marks saying, I'm sorry. And they're like, why are you even apologizing for this? Like we shoot women all the time on the cover that have stretch marks. And that, at that moment that was like, you have got to be kidding me.
1: Like yeah. women need to know this, that they don't yeah.
0: have to be perfect.
1: Yeah. My head coach, DJ, she's done a ton of fitness comps and she said the same thing. She was like, I felt like I was coming in at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when I showed up and actually got in the nitty gritty, I was like, everyone's just like me. Yeah, mm-hmm. just assume They aren't. We assume they've got this leg up because we are so hard on ourselves. But like people are like the things you struggle with, other people struggle with, you know? The things that you find discouraging are common, you know? it's And it's sad that you're right in that we don't talk about it. We don't make it open. And luckily I do think we're getting better at it, Mm -hmm. at being more open and more vulnerable. But um. Yeah, it's tricky. It
0: it, it just comes down to like this misconception, right? 100%. That, like, this misconception that you have to be this or you have to be that in order to achieve X, whatever um, that it is that you're wanting to achieve. All right, up next, we have number nine, JP Danelle. Only be an asset. JP is a former Navy SEAL, and today he serves as a leadership instructor, speaker, and strategic advisor for Echelon Front, where he is also the director of experimental leadership training programs. JP is a pro team athlete and spokesperson for the clothing brand Origin Maine and the supplement company Jocko Fuel. We had an incredible conversation about developing the never quit mentality and always be an asset. Here is a portion of the conversation. What I love most about JP through this conversation is just how open and vulnerable he is about his journey and truly everything that happened to him that led him to be in a leadership position to where he is today. See, leadership, I truly believe that 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 leadership is something that it takes time to develop and it takes experiences to develop. There's many things of in leadership that um you're not born with that you have to learn, but there's also things in leadership that we have that are God-given gifts and talents. And sometimes it takes putting us through really hard situations for those to come out. And JP is a true example of that. And um, he now uh, is an incredible leader for uh, Echelon Front. So um, let's check out that conversation. What is the biggest lesson that being in the teams taught you. I don't know if you can just give me just one, but um, like, you know, we all learn things through the experiences that we have, and you know, how many how many deployments did you get to do?
6: Uh, just three, two just to three. Iraq, one to Afghanistan. Just
0: genocide. three, just three. Like that, that's a lot, especially during that time. That's and as you know, it does a lot. It does a lot to your family and your friends.
6: Yeah, I I know. I just feel guilty because I have other buddies that are still in, right? 21 Mm -hmm. years in right now, and they're still deploying. I have buddies that have seven, nine, 11 combat deployments. So it's it's a little hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, I did three deployments. Like, it's a big deal. Now, you're right. Those deployments are in that time frame. We were getting after it, and we did – in Ramadi – some of us from Ramadi have more gunfights and combat experience from that one six-month appointment than most people do in their 20-year career. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm thankful for that. Mm-hmm. I did some cool stuff in Afghanistan with a group that I wanted to be a part of. Learned a lot. The first one, like I told you about, I did. I learned a lot also doing something I didn't think I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say actually the the number one thing that I learned from being in the SEAL teams is that humility is the number one characteristic of a great leader. Mm. And to reiterate this point, leadership has nothing to do with your title. It's your ability to influence those around you, to believe in themselves, to believe in the mission, to understand the mission and take action. So you don't have to have a title to be a leader. And since that is the case, and that is true, then as humans, the number one characteristic is humility. And you think about it, some of the some of the people that we just love being around, when you look at them, they're humble. Nobody likes being around arrogant, cocky, rude people. We like being around humble people. And that doesn't mean that they're not successful. It doesn't mean that they're not confident, they're not bold, they're not, you know, a little like like a little more abrasive than other people at times. But the generality of it is some of the greatest leaders out there are extremely humble. And part of humility is the ability to listen to other people, which makes you a good communicator. And that's why communication is the number one skill set. So The number one trait is humility. The number one skill set for success as a leader slash human is the ability to communicate. And that's not just talking to somebody. That's me listening and taking in your answers your feedback, your opinion, finding ways to make your opinion the correct one to be able to buy in and connect them. That's what makes you a good person and a good leader. You have to listen in addition to just talking to people. So humility is a number one characteristic of a great leader. And I look at all the great leaders, the great people that I worked with in the SEAL teams. They were so incredibly humble. It was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I want to reiterate something mm-hmm. being humble doesn't mean that you're weak and passive you can still be bold and dynamic and powerful yet humble
0: I agree that was very very beautifully put um and such a strong statement and, and something for people to just really absorb and and to take in um what you just said
4: All right, guys, up next is number eight, the right way to approach goal setting. In 2022, we kicked off the show with an idea of goal setting that ended up becoming one of the most popular episodes of the year. Here's a portion of myself and Ashley discussing about understanding the steps that will help you get where you need to be in the year of 2022.
0: This is such an important episode to go back and listen to because, uh, I want you to now reflect in your last year and where were you at this time and I guess it was 2021 getting ready to go into the 2022 year and thinking about your goals. Did you accomplish those goals that you had? Okay, this is where this is where it needs to be a huge reality check for you because this is where year after year after year you say that you're going to set the exact same goals only to end that year not accomplishing that goal. So now this year, let's talk about, if this is you, if you're like, wow, that is me. Like, I feel like I'm a failure and I didn't accomplish the goals that I set out to accomplish. Look, you're not a failure. This is when you need to figure out what was it that kept you from accomplishing those goals. Don't stop. This is when you start to fine tune and you tighten up the systems and the processes that you really need to get to your goal. Was it too big of a goal with the too short of amount of time frame that you set for yourself to reach? Um, did you lose motivation along the way? Did you lose distractions? Did you allow the haters to come in? What was it? What obstacle got in your way last year, if this is you, that kept you from reaching your 2022 goal? I want you to identify that, write it down, journal it. Talk about it and figure out ways that you are going to set yourself up this year for success. So let's have a look at that um, that blurb coming out on episode uh, or this one's number eight: the right way to approach goal setting. It's okay to look back and and analyze the mistakes. that you made or the things, the losses, but then you need to also acknowledge how you overcame that. Because if you're still here, you're still standing, you're still doing what you were doing, you know, like, how did you get through that hardship? How did you change whatever was a loss or that, you know, you felt like you made a mistake on how is that? how has that turned out positively for you? And, and maybe you're still, you know, developing that or searching for the answers. But, um, I I think that it's important to, to, to look at both wins and losses and the ups and the downs of the year prior. And it gives us better clear clarity moving forward to 2022. I have big goals that I have set. You know, I don't know if new year's resolutions can be like I feel like I set a lot of goals for like my companies and my businesses of, of things like how like I want to the directions that we want to go and what we want to do. But I mean, a lot of it's personal too, because it's, it's me having to activate whatever end goal or the things that I have and put that into, into play into motion. Um So I, some of the, like some of the mistakes that I've, that I do notice because I've been, if we can just talk about just fitness, I just kind of want to like talk about fitness for a second. The, the health goals and the changes that you guys are, are wanting to make. It's really important. And I want you guys to pay attention to this. It's really important that you set goals with an adequate amount of time to accomplish that goal. Like, I don't care if you're, Four hundred pounds, and you say that you want to uh, lose three hundred pounds. Well, that'd be a hundred pound person,
4: whatever. Uh, yeah.
0: But I'm, you can't, and, and you and I'm like, okay, like, all right, three three hundred pounds, whatever you want to drop, one hundred and fifty pounds. Like, yeah, let's do it. And they're like, well, actually, I want to do it. Like, I want to, I need to I, next month. That's my goal. I'm like, it's not going to happen.
4: Yeah. It's not going to happen. It's almost being, you can, it's a fine line between dreaming for your goals and then being realistic with yourself about your goals. Mm -hmm. Don't put your goals on this high pedestal at the point where it's like 0.01% chance of making it. And then when you don't make it, you just fall off the wagon again, right? It's taking a massive goal like that and then setting up. The smaller goal, don't give yourself a timeline with it. Be like, I want to lose 300 pounds. But then don't say in a month because then you need to take that and you need to take that 300-pound goal and chomp it it.
0: I think you should set timelines. One pound,
4: one pound at a time. So then you set smaller timelines, mm-hmm. smaller goals. And then over time, that big goal that was seemed super impossible now is 100% within your within your line of sight, within your scope of, of grasping now, Mm -hmm. but it's.
0: I, whenever I was a trainer, a floor trainer, I would paint this visual for these, for my clients. I'm like, okay. I, and I would ask them, I'd be like, you know, like, what are your goals? Or, you know, where, you know, and a lot of, the number one response that I got is like, if I was training um, a middle-aged person, 30s, 40s, the response that I got like 80% of the time is they want to be look and feel how they were in their, in their twenties in their early twenties. And I stopped him. I was like, look, first of all, I was like, you can't, you have to, whoever that person was like in your twenties and you know, that, that they, they hold on to like how they, they feel or like how they, they think that they used to look, you know, the image that they had in their mind. And I tell them like, you have to let that go. Because you're not that 21 year old person anymore. Like you're you're wanting to achieve results from somebody who that in your past, but they haven't experienced uh, four C sections, two babies. They haven't experienced uh, a complete uh, life changing event or situations that you have currently have gone through basically what I'm saying is that we we sometimes we whenever we set goals we have these expectations that we want to be who we were 25 years ago and you're not that same person anymore in fact I like to challenge people uh with confidence and say you're you're a much stronger and a better person now
4: yeah like why are you limiting yourself to that person that was 20 years ago when I mean, just because you get older doesn't mean you, you got to give up the way you look.
0: Yeah, I'm not. And
4: you don't have to give up how strong you are, or how yeah. functional you are. You can start that right now and you can become better.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying that like you, you're not ever going to feel like a 20 year old again. You know, if you're like in your 40s, that's not what I'm saying at, at all is that we we like to picture who we were in the past. And like when we felt good about ourselves um, and, and that's the goal that we that we've set for ourselves. I'm like, look, you are so much stronger now mentally. You have built so much more resilience that let's focus on who you are right now, the lifestyle that you have right now, how we can change that to make you the very best version of yourself today. Exactly. And you're not going to do it in a couple weeks. It's not going to be a month and depending, it all depends on your goals. But the the visual that I like to set for people at to paint for people is, is to just, to just dream, like, where do you want to be like right now in the future? We're not going back to the past of who you were 25 years ago, but where do you want to be in a year? That's like your main big goal of the changes that you want to make. And then take these little stepping pads. It's exactly what you were saying. It's the stepping stones to get there. And each stepping stone is a smaller goal that will ultimately get you to your much larger and bigger goal. So, I mean, I just think that a lot of times we we set these goals that are so massive and I'm not saying don't dream big. That's not what we're saying. Dream big and have big aspirations. But you have to give yourself enough time to get there. You have to be fair for yourself and you have to map out the path um you know i it, it gets exhausting um just seeing people come out of the gates gung ho saying that they want to change and they you know want to change their lifestyle and and get better or whatever goals that you have for yourself and then it's like when when it gets hard people just quit so you have to first change your mindset and and make the decision and the commitment right now that you're not going to quit and you're not going to give up.
4: And speaking of goal setting, coming in at number seven is the 24 5Ks in 24 hours. Back in February in 2022, Ashley attempted and completed 24 5Ks and we go through the entire experience, the ups, the highs, the lows, the roller coaster that happens. So be sure to go check out number seven 24 5Ks in 24 hours.
0: Whenever we were up in, we flew to Ohio. Nobody told us that there was snow on the ground. Uh, this was one week before I was getting ready to do my 24 hour 5K repeats. And the training that I had was not what I thought it was going to be. And at this point- Every
4: time we go up to Ohio, we're always like, we're gonna train, we're gonna run, we're gonna-
0: But it's also because like, we don't get up there that often and we really wanna spend time with your family. And so if that's just in the kitchen, talking to your mother, talking to your grandma, seeing your brothers and sisters and like, you know, it's it's like we have like these good intentions, but once we get up there, our priorities change. And maybe training is not necessarily a priority anymore, but spending time with family is. And um, whenever we went up to Ohio, I was one week out from doing the 24-hour 5K repeats. And at this point, I think it was when we were on our way up to Ohio, we started looking at the weather a week out. And this is when Blue always does all of the logistics for me. He did the logistics whenever I ran around Haiti. He did the logistics whenever I did my 40-hour run. He did the logistics for the 25-hour row, basically yeah. all of them. He's the one that's like, this is what you're going to do. This is when you're going to eat. This is what you're going to eat. This is what everybody else is going to do. So he really takes control of that situation. And on our way up to Ohio, he was like, look, babe. He was like, the weather, like when you're supposed to be doing this run, <laughs> is not looking like it's going to be in your favor. Um, he was, And then I remember he looked at me and he was like, how do you feel about doing these inside on a treadmill? And I was like,
7: yuck, first of yuck. all,
0: <laughs> I hate, hate the treadmill. If you put me on a treadmill, I want to do like like a hit interval of sprints, walks, sprints, walks, maybe like some like side shuffles. Um, but you talk about the just like so, so monotonous of yeah. running, yeah, looking at nothing. I, I was just like, you know, I was like, well, I'll try it. So we did go to the gym one time when we were there and he put me on a treadmill and it was like the longest 5k that I had <laughs> the ever longest ran.
4: 20 minutes of your life. On it that. was,
0: it was, it was brutal. Um, I, I asked blue, um, you know, what does he, what does he do in situations when he finds and I don't know if I've talked about this before, but like, you know, I asked him, like, what do you do in situations when you're just miserable and you're just suffering and like you hate it? So we talk about this whenever you get into an ice bath. Right. Um, and his response and his answer to that question has really stuck with me. And it, it it I held on to that during my 5K repeat. And that was that you make that place your home that you accept it. You accept that you're going to be there. And as uncomfortable as you are, you mentally make yourself comfortable. You let go of like anything that you're complaining about in your head, anything that, uh, you're just like the excuses that come, come up and you just come to terms with, with being there in that moment and how you feel. Yeah. Is that right?
4: Yeah. No, it's, yeah, anytime you're in like a situation where you're you're suffering or you're I mean this is this is we're talking about like physical like uncomfortable things like if you're, you're not mentally, about like hurting you, yourself or yeah if you're being mentally hurt. suffering or like if you're like if something go else is, you go get help
0: <laughs> you're like but, bleeding out you're yeah. like oh they told me to just make this my home yeah
4: <laughs> put, <sighs> put a tourniquet on it yeah, you know, yeah no go up. get
0: yeah we're just talking about like
4: <laughs> this is like
0: very specific to like what yeah, what i was doing like very specific to what Blue has been through.
4: Yeah. Physically, like, you're just uncomfortable beyond, mm-hmm. like, measures. And that's, like, at that point, you just have to, you have to come to, like you said, come to terms with it. Make it your home. You become comfortable in that situation where you are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm.
0: That, was a, that was a pretty good... Event. Yeah. Because I happened to get COVID.
4: Yeah. Yeah, you did. Right before. Yep. But we still with, did
0: it. Yes. And it was my my body like really hurt. I'm trying to recall how I felt. I can't believe I did that last year. So, yeah. so the 24, the 24-hour 5K repeat is when I we had a treadmill. It was a Woodway at Sled Dogs, my gym in Norfolk, Virginia. And I did a 5k every hour on the hour for 24 hours straight. And every hour before I, like on the start of every hour for every 5k, I read out, um, a dedication. Every 5k was dedicated to, uh, someone who had either lost their life to domestic violence or if they were a survivor um, I read out um, just like a something to honor them, to remember them if they were a survivor, and it was really powerful. Very emotional. The, yeah, that's what I was going to say. An incredibly emotional night, um, and but we did it, and I and that was incredible. The money that was raised was donated to a local shelter here in Virginia Beach called the Her Shelter, and that that was pretty epic. That was did I do that before? The 25-hour row?
4: Yes. That was before Spikes K9.
0: Okay. Wow. So that was in February, and then I did the 25-hour row after that for Spikes. So. All right. Next episode, we are going to do number six, uh, Dr. Lyon, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. How to improve your long-term health. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to be honest, whenever I first sat down with Dr. Lyon, I actually did not know her as well as I know her now. Woo, what an incredible lady, human, just doctor this woman is. Uh, she has also become, became a great friend of mine and an incredible mentor. Uh, I am so, so fortunate and I feel so blessed to have been able to connect with her, um, really through the reborn podcast. And since then our relationship has developed. Um, and I, I can say that, um, everything that Dr. Lyon puts out there talking about the protein, talking about what our bodies truly need, um, the carbohydrates, it is so interesting. And, uh, someone who I absolutely 100% recommend, she has a podcast now, uh, you can go find her on an Instagram, uh, and this, this podcast, this was our sixth most popular episode in 2022. Uh, she is the founder of the Institute of Muscle Centric Medicine, a healthcare practice and that provides solutions for weight loss and longevity by focusing primarily on three principles, nutrition, lifestyle, and exercise. Uh, We had an incredible conversation back in June. Here's a clip of that. And I'm actually going to have her back on my podcast again very, very soon. So be looking for that in 2023 for a reappearance uh, with uh, Dr. Lyon. Here's a clip of that, of that show.
5: You are doing it right. It actually is all about muscle. Mm. Muscle, while we think about it from the fitness perspective, mm-hmm. is looking great, being strong, having power, being mm-hmm. able to generate force. But it's actually an endocrine organ. It's a, it's a what? An endocrine organ. When you, you know, like your thyroid, uh-huh. muscle is a similar type of organ.
0: Ah, okay.
5: And this is not discussed. When you contract your skeletal muscle it secretes proteins, it secretes myokines that affect your mood, that affect your bone, that affect every part of your body. So are you suggesting we should just all walk around flexing all the time? I mean, you could. <laughs> That's a good thing though, right? I mean, if, listen, if you're in your 20s and are, you walk are, in front of a mirror, but- yeah, yes. Are you
0: talking about the same thing as like, like flexing, contracting your muscle? Or is it training. When, like weight-bearing exercises when you're training?
5: It's a great question. Um, arguably it would be both, but where the real stimulus- comes is resistance training Mm -hmm. the weight-bearing training the bands whatever yeah and if we rethink our current medical system everything is focused on um reactionary behaviors so oh well i'm going to give you this medication you have high blood pressure you have alzheimer's now we're going to do this um you are struggling with obesity we're going to do this but if we can shift the conversation and we can understand that skeletal muscle is an organ system. It's actually an endocrine organ system. It interfaces with your immune system. It helps regulate inflammation in general. Mm. It does so much more. And actually that, it's the organ of longevity. It is the focal point. It is the pinnacle of health. Above and beyond bodybuilding, above and beyond the activity that you generate, right? So. Right now, we look at and identify muscle with um, strength endpoints. But there's a whole other side to what it does and how it impacts health and wellness for longevity. Mm. And that at the root is what muscle centric medicine is. So you ask me, what do I do? Everything and anything to optimize that tissue, mm. whether it is hormones. Whether it is identifying anything with your thyroid, whether it is thinking about ways and looking at markers to optimize health and wellness, or if you're an athlete, being able to deal with those battle rhythms, knowing that you are training for an event. We know that there's gonna be cycles. So at the root, that's what muscle centric medicine is it's about taking the ordinary and moving it to extraordinary. Mm. I love that. What? Give me an example of a um, like
0: a patient that you've had. Um, I just kind of want to know like the process. So, like with a patient, or if I came to you, and if I'm like, "Hey, um, Dr. Lyon, I'm 38 years old. I want to compete. Like, like how does it? How do you come in to play? Like for people's life, people yep. reach out to you because typically
5: referral. Okay, right? so we have a very tight vetting process. Mm um, two ways to come into my practice. Number one. So if Saxony was like, Hey, you got to see Ashley. I'd be like, all right, let's, let's get her going. Mm -hmm. Um, direct referral is typically the best way or they can apply. Mm -hmm. And ultimately the people that are coming have very specific goals. So for example, you, or like, you know, do you know, Bedros Koulian? He's great. Oh, I should. Love Again. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> kind of like in in, in our space. Um, so, Bedros I'm sure if you it, showed me a picture, yeah, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So, he's an example of, it's not that he has a specific endpoint goal, but he is a CEO that says, listen, I need to be- Oh, yeah. I know who that yeah, is. I need to be firing on- Wait, ha, say his last name. Koulian. Koulian. Yeah. And his first name? Bedros. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know exactly who that is. So- we don't work on one specific goal. Mm-hmm. Our goal is how do we keep him firing all time at all times on all cylinders. So this isn't just like
0: I come in, I'm like, hey, Dr. Lyons, see me. I come in as a patient and then I'm gone. Is this
5: something no. like where it's like a journey? Like you walk with me? Yeah. Like for- It's whatever it's, you need. So oh, for example, okay. if you're like, hey, gee, I've got these kinds of events coming up. I say, okay, so let's, uh, let's get a baseline of your hormones.
0: You know, I've never, I've never gotten a, a full panel. Of, what? I'm yeah. doing it for you. Dude, I'm I don't even you. know
5: if I have like the COVID, like whatever. Okay. I am doing it for you. Yeah. It is my pleasure. Oh, and we are going to go. Really? It. I would really yes. love to know. We're I've never
0: checked it. my. I know, dude. Exactly. Even no, as an athlete, I every no, time, no, no. like I've been. I, there was one time I think I did. Um, what event was I getting ready for?
5: Wait, how is that possible? I don't
0: know. No, I've never done it. No, so. And, I, and I've always wanted to know, exactly. I mean, like, I mean, all of it, like, like, you know, there's like, I'm 38, right? So it's like, I, like, there's so much stuff. I know. I have no idea what, I don't even, even know like what my hormone levels are. I don't even know what,
5: else do you test? So we're allergies? Do, <laughs> I don't know. Like, what is it? <laughs> no, not testing your allergies. <laughs> okay. We are going to do, so, uh, so we're going to do some really interesting stuff for you. Okay. So we're going to do a full blood panel. Okay. We're going to do um, all your hormones. Mm-hmm. We're also going to do your iron levels because you're an athlete, so we want to see kind of where you are with that. I think that. at one time somebody told me I was anemic. Okay. But again, I don't know. Well, it's interesting because here is what you are going to find, what I see. There's a certain flavor of my patient, which you know many of them and also fit right into that. They have a mental capacity to drive above and beyond regardless of their physical feeling. So they're basically psycho, like me. All of them. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much all of them. Good. Glad we have that. Yeah, in common. yeah. It yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, works out great.
0: Um, so, so, have you? So, with all these patients, then that you've had, yeah. like, is there is there a common denominator yeah. to that? What is it? Oh, yeah. Or
5: is there a lot? Like,
0: can you identify yeah, one? They
5: have a signature. What is that? They have um, almost an archetype kind of pattern to them. They are all driven by. And tolerate stress in a way that they can modulate their emotions. Does that make sense? So, for example, some people shy away from stress. Mm-hmm. My patients tend to go right towards it. Dude, that's me to a T. Like, if things aren't like crazy
0: and chaotic, they, then I'm like, what? Well, I'm so bored. <laughs> <laughs> so, they,
5: they drive, they have a drive. Interesting. They are also very on top of any narrative, a mental narrative. They're very good at compartmentalizing. They have a capacity of being able to get the job done regardless of what is happening. Mm. They're also very aware of their weaknesses. And that is something different that I see with that subset of patients. Mm -hmm. Different than what I see with other individuals. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah. They are aware of their strengths Mm -hmm. and... That's almost secondary, mm-hmm. but they are very aware of their predictable human nature.
0: It's weird because I like, okay, 38, you know, I've, I've had a lot of great look like, like you're 28. Oh, stop. True. So do you. True. Stop. <laughs> um, I, like I, it's weird for me to say this, but it's like, I still feel like I have not tapped into my full potential, even as weird as it sounds, even though I know like that I'm like you know, 38, like the, I guess some people would say that's like kind of beyond like the curve. I have but never, no, you're
5: absolutely right. Yeah.
0: Even, even like my mental ability to like go like, and I know that I have a really, I have strong fortitude. Like I know that about myself. Um, And even, I mean, in all aspects, like even business and like my physical goals that I have, it's weird. Cause I, even though I have like some people are like, Ashley, you've accomplished so much, but it's weird because I just don't have the right resources. Like I've never had. I've always wondered. Like I wonder what it'd be like if I actually had a trainer, like an, like somebody else train me, because I've always trained myself. But like, how it would be if I gave somebody else the reins? Like, how it would be if so, if I had somebody else, or like, to at least collaborate with. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you
5: do the. So you do a blood panel for somebody. Like, let's say we there's like an stuff. extreme athlete that's oh. listening to this, right? And ex- so for the extreme athletes, so I have um. We'll just say it's Ashley Horner. Okay. <laughs> Yep. Amazing. So we do, and you know, it's interesting, uh, depending on where you go, you might have 21 blood vials. So it's a lot. It's okay. an extensive panel. Okay. There's also other tests that individuals can do like an organic acid test. And again, these are, what a, is that? Uh, it's a bit more fringe and it looks at different pathways, metabolic pathways to see what you actually need, how your body is Adjusting and utilizing and detoxing and like nutrients or we look like, at nutrients too. Oh. We look at all, yes, all of it, nutrients, vitamins, um, metabolic pathways. Mm-hmm. And again, I just want to go on record of saying some tests are highly validated, right? The blood tests that we look at, and then some tests are a bit more fringe in terms of um, nutrient testing, organic acid testing, those kinds of things, or uh, neurotransmitter type testing. And that would be urinary neurotransmitter type testing, depending on what it is. Another test I would do for you is a sleep apnea test. Every single one of my athletes, every single one of my military operators have some form of sleep apnea. And it's because of the neck musculature. I mean, the, the military guys are a bit different because of, you know, whether it's blast exposure or, or things of that nature. But that's something that every athlete should do.
0: So you, you would get my blood panel, and then do you see, like, how do you? What do you do? What's the next step?
5: We What's, go through it. Okay. You, how it normally works is, is I'm gonna warn you and say, hey, if we do it this way, you're gonna get 21 vials of blood. Go well hydrated. Uh huh. Uh huh. We're gonna start. We're gonna knock it out. And then well, I think since I've never done it my whole life, we might as well like pull all the blood. You know, <laughs> all of it. like, like let's <laughs> we're do all that shit. Yeah, all of it. Uh, yeah, we're gonna do all that shit. And. Um, You know, we do other stuff too. So we'll get the results. We'll go through everything and we'll see where we can improve. Mm, mm. There is always something to improve upon. Mm. And there's, you know, it's interesting because the blood that we look at now, the ranges are really with the average person. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. the you're not average. No, well, I mean, no, you're not like, that's just how that goes. So the ranges can be huge. Yeah. And you begin to supplement. You begin to optimize.
0: Yeah. I've always thought that was so interesting. Again, like this kind of comes back to like those of you who are wanting to get better, if you don't, I mean, and I, I'm preaching to myself because obviously I've never gotten a blood I cannot, panel. I cannot, I'm on it. I just, I,
5: this is, I cannot even believe yeah, this. I, I think it's, and I've never talked
0: about this with anybody, but I think people would be surprised by, and of course, like I eat well, you know, I train hard. I go through laws though. I go through laws where I'm not eating to fuel my body because I'm just so busy at running five different businesses. I go through laws where my training's definitely not on point, especially if I don't have anything to train for. It kind of comes back to like, if it's not something that I really think that's going to be hard and it's going to make me gonna suffer it. and it's going to make me like, you know, cringe at times. And like, I don't, I'm not interested in it. Yeah. Um, and I've never, I've always wondered what it would be like if I truly knew, like, even like what foods I performed best on, like where, like, you know, I don't know, like what are different, like, there's so many different things, I guess, that you measure. And how
5: you're managing your blood sugar. Yeah. I will continuous glucose monitor on you.
0: Yeah, I know. I've never done
5: that. That's let's so see, interesting. Let's see what's going on. I with think your people training. would be really surprised, though. By but that's why I'm like I'm saying,
0: everybody can it can improve. It doesn't even the, even somebody who's like, oh, I have it down, like on his. Everybody
5: can everybody. always get better. I, I have Olympic athletes in my practice, mm-hmm. gold medal mm-hmm. Olympic athletes. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that there's a certain type of individual that has so much fortitude. Mm-hmm that they don't even acknowledge where they may be tired, where they may have gut issues, where they may have any number of things
7: Mm -hmm.
5: because it's not something that they put energy towards. And then, you know, you can only escape that for so long, Mm -hmm. but their mental fortitude is so strong. But eventually, Mm -hmm. it has to be addressed.
2: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
0: Today's episode of Reborn is sponsored by Better Help Therapy Online. I will never forget whenever I had my first son trip. And um, I was living in a place at the time where I didn't have any, I didn't have any family around. Um, my mom flew out and, and helped me in the beginning. I was grateful and fortunate enough to have to have her help in the beginning once I, you know, brought my first newborn son home and um i remember after my mom left i remember thinking like wow i'm 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 all alone here <laughs> like you know like how do you know what you're supposed to do right it's you know you all of a sudden have this child and a new parent and uh there's a lot of questions that come up and there can be some hard times and some hard adjustments as well Uh, And this is why I want to talk to you about BetterHelp and what they offer. Now, I know a lot of times, and specifically speaking about new moms, but really at any point in our life, uh, when we just feel really overwhelmed, BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists Uh, It's convenient, it's secure, and it's accessible anywhere. And the best part is, guys, is it's 100% online. All right, guys, the holiday season is upon us. And I know that whether you're a new mom or, you know, it's been a rough year, it's been a rough couple years. Um, Everybody truly deserves to feel their best, especially during the holidays. And BetterHelp makes it easy to get started. So BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service. They have matched millions of people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists and are 100% available online. All the benefits of in-person therapy, plus it's more convenient, more accessible, and It's more affordable, guys. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match yourself with a therapist. And guess what? If things aren't clicking, uh, you can move to a new therapist at any time and start building the relationship with your therapist that you need. It really couldn't be any more simpler. So there's no waiting rooms. There's no traffic. There's no endless searching for the right therapist. Um, Go ahead and reach out to them, guys, and get the help that you need Especially during the holiday season, so go visit Better BetterHelp. It's B E T T E R, BetterHelp H E L P dot com slash reborn R E B O R N and get ten percent off of your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp BetterHelp H E L P dot com forward slash reborn.
4: Coming in at number five, I can't believe I made the top five here. Um, Breaking through mental barriers. This is a conversation Ash and I had back in um, January trying to provide listeners and with practical strategies to overcome mental barriers. We look at the power of visualization, the don't quit, can't quit mindset, and the reason you should never look down. But instead, look at the next step ahead. Here's a portion of that episode.
0: I love going deep with Blue sometimes and talking about this because I I know that he can really pull he sees me firsthand, right? Like he saw me go through the 25 hour, 24 hour run. He's there at the 25 hour rows. And so it, this is something that's really good. And he has a lot of experience in that as well, you know, breaking through the the mental barriers. Uh, so it's good that I really, really enjoy episodes that I get to sit down with you and we kind of deep dive into that and, and what it means to you and what it means to me and how we process that and how we, Uh, strengthen that arsenal that we have to use. So uh, yeah, check out that episode guys and have at it. When you've had to go through hard things with training and stuff, how did you, how did you get yourself to kind of like keep going mentally? I just want to, I just want to know if it's any different from like a, like a male's perspective of, I mean, you've been through some really, really, really hard stuff um mm-hmm. just you know and you know the exit's like right there and you see people quitting you know that you can quit but like why
4: yeah that's interesting i think um it's actually really funny um i think as you get older you get softer in my opinion i think when you're young ignorance is kind of bliss mm. and i think you also you know testosterone levels are higher what have you you're not as aware of your surroundings. You're not as aware of the pain. You're just in the moment. And I think a lot of times when you get older, you lose that. I think you start thinking too much instead of just being in the moment, enjoying the suck and just being present with the pain and being okay with it.
8: Mm -hmm.
4: You know, as you get older, everybody's like, Oh, I'm old and I'm fragile. And, Uh, I can't do this or else I'll break. It's like, no, you won't. The human body is incredible. I've seen you accomplish incredible feats. I know the human body is able to do many things. And I think that is the biggest thing I've noticed recently as I've gotten older is now that I'm older, my, my mentality is I'm more present with pain. And I think if you don't do self-talk and you don't do vis- visualization reps that you will falter to that awareness of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think.
0: that's interesting that you say that because even part of like my visualization, I do, I do visualize and, and know that I am going to experience pain and not just like, Oh, I'm going to experience like I'm talking guys. Like I'm like, okay, my right ankle hurts like this is what's happening right now. Like I'm so specific in detailed to to visualizing what I'm going to go through. And it's I have found like once, you know, when I'm actually in real time doing this run and whenever I've done like longer feats um, in the past. As soon as I feel the pain somewhere or, or as soon as, like, things start sucking or, like, I, I like, want to, you know, whatever, having, like, some, you know, mental, like, I, you know, I want to stop or I want to quit or blah, blah, blah. I, the moment that I verbally acknowledge what hurts or what I'm feeling, it goes away. I, 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 I 100% believe that, um Pain, the pain like moves in your body. I mean, it was like I would have something wrong with my knee whenever I was running one time. I'm like, golly, my my knee is hurting. I just say, my knee hurts, this sucks, but I have accepted it. I've accepted that my knee sucks and it hurts. And then it's like the moment I I accept it, I stop thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And then the pain goes away and it like moves to my left ankle. I'm like, all right. Like right now, like my ankle really hurts and it really sucks. And it doesn't matter. Like I'm going to keep going. And then you accept it. It doesn't even, you can say, you know, you're, you're tired or you yeah. want to quit or like, you know.
4: So those are those, it's exactly what I was saying. And I think, you know, you said from a male's perspective and, um, I don't think anything is different between a male and female. Um, as far as mental capacity goes, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, not a lot of people that just, the difference between males and females is not the mental capacity or the headspace. I think it is just the physical ability um, of males and females that are different. So, as far as mentally accomplishing things and mentally prepping for things, it's no different. It's no different, because mm-hmm. I I, you just said it right there. And I, of what you just said, an example of what I was just explaining. As you get older, you become more aware of pain,
7: mm-hmm.
4: right? And so that's what everybody's like super frail about is oh, this pain it hurts, and it's because you're not younger and you don't you don't have that ignorance. You have that knowledge that hey, I can I'm feeling hurt right now, but like you said, you acknowledge it and you let it go because mm-hmm. it's guess what the human body is incredible mm-hmm. and you're not gonna break,
0: right? Yeah, I just basically accept it. I like well, this really sucks right now. And I just, in my mind, I mentally accept it. And I say, well, I'm not quitting. So it doesn't matter if the pain's there the whole time or whatever. Like, I feel it. I've accepted it. I've acknowledged it. But it's not it's not changing my course or what I'm doing and exactly. my path. Coming in at number four, we have Brooke Entz. Keep pushing. Um I absolutely love sitting down with Brooke. She is somebody that I that I had been wanting to sit down and get to know a little bit more. Uh, and I had the opportunity to do that with the podcast. Uh, you talk about a busy, busy person that really, she just puts her heart and soul into every single thing that she does. Um, I think that, you know, Brooke has such a vast... Uh, talent um with everything that she has done and it's been so incredible to just watch her evolve uh, into the woman that she is today, um, so she's an elite CrossFit athlete. That's how I really first uh, got introduced to Brooke through the social uh, interwebs. She's an entrepreneur. She's a trainer. She's an actress and a podcaster. Uh, she is an actress who has appeared on the films Wonder Woman, Justice League, and more. And I want to share a portion of our pod, of our conversation today.
7: It was a good experience, but I will tell you that I had a much better experience working with Zack Snyder on the Justice League than I did on the Wonder Woman.
0: So, how was the Justice League then? And
7: when did you when did you do that? When did you? So I went back. Um, I went back the f- August of 2016 mm-hmm. to shoot that, but all of that was green screen, so it mm-hmm. wasn't like on site. When you're doing it on location. If you don't get the shot, I mean, then you have to, you go back to that same one. You have to get, get it where the lights in the same, the sun's in the same spot and everything looks the same. Mm-hmm. So I think, imagine it mm-hmm. just takes a lot longer yeah. to complete all the shot lists. Um, but yeah, completely different 180. Um, it was incredible working with Zach. In fact, the only reason I was even called for an audition was because of Zach Snyder had found a photo of me oh. and I would show up and I'd go into the gym now I've got the big gym because I' bet we're back at in the UK, mm-hmm. so we're at the Warner Brothers studio. And him, this is the director of the film, him and his entire team all of his like assistant directors, they would be finished they worked out together every morning in the gym, lifting, they worked out together at like 6 a.m. and then they'd finish up shower. He, then Zach would like get in his like su- super cool like hipster like chucks and pants and like a like a vest with like his watch, looks so cool. And then he'd go to work all day, mm. and they would kind of do that. You know, they it was just such a different. And that's mm-hmm. when I realized, okay, not every production is the same. Because right. I left, I left Wonder Woman thinking I will never do this again. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Like miserable. Yeah. You know, at a certain point when I was out there, I was like, if you're not, I actually I was like, if you're not going to use me, send me home. Yeah. (laughs) That and that was a conversation that I actually had with with the director of the movie. Right. Because there was just so much that like for me, you know, it's like I didn't search for you. Mm -hmm. I didn't like search out this opportunity. And I had was having a hard time not only dealing with um. chirping i could hear people saying about me the conversations about steroids like i mean it was it was pretty ridiculous i'm like here i here i am you know on like a a women strong women like women support women film Mm. Mm -hmm. and it was it was not um there was so much good And the girls that were on it with me that were, there was a few of us that were cast Amazons. My friend Madeline, she was a, she's a retired Thai boxer. I mean, this chick is fierce. Yeah. My friend Ann Harrod, she is a detective in Wales and she does CrossFit. Um, You know, a lot of friends that I made when I was there that I will be friends with forever. Mm -hmm. But it was definitely, there were some things that, uh, were hard for me to, I think, let go. You know, like when you deal, you know, when you when trolls, you know, people are saying negative things about you or whatever. You have to like learn to like let them go because yeah. you're like, well, they don't actually know who they don't actually know me.
0: It's, it's someone hard. It's hard though.
7: Her. It, it yes. is hard. I mean, I th- I, I oh. can, you know, we
0: still deal with it. I know that you still yeah. deal with that. You know, it's like the negativity always seems to be louder than the the positivity that's out there. So oh, yeah.
7: But when um, I, so being there, I mean, I had a great time and there were people that made up for the people that were kind of shitty, but I left thinking like, man, I don't think this is for me. You know, mm-hmm. I, and it wasn't that I thought like, oh, I'm going to have this huge like movie career now. No, I didn't think that. Um, but you know, there's the idea of like, you know, I always thought it'd be cool to like be in a movie or like do these things. And I kind of felt like, well, no, maybe not, not for me, you know, and that's okay. But I had to go back to do the justice league and I got there and I was like, it was like such a breath of fresh air. Right. Just the whole vibe of the Mm -hmm. whole of the set and the people and the teams Mm -hmm. was just different. Mm -hmm. And it was because that's when I realized like, okay, you know, it really comes down to like, who is the, Mm -hmm. you know, the production team mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the director and how are they kind of running their set like how did they work together and mm-hmm. it was really cool to see you know the camaraderie or like the um Zach Snyder's sort of production team or uh, for direct you know directing or whatever I'm oh like I don't even know if the correct term um <laughs> but they really you know they did a lot of they f- did fitness together they you know they worked out um there was a much more healthy or like health conscious Mm -hmm. uh, vibe Mm -hmm. on set even even down to like this like the snacks and food and drinks things that were available to anyone working so i had a much better experience experience there yeah
0: Number three, guys, we have one of my great friends and mentors, Mr. Rick Hogg, uh, be 1% better every day. He has spent nearly 30 years serving the U.S. special operations, including 13 combat deployments, and working as a Special Forces Advanced Urban Combat Instructor. Uh, today, Rick is the founder of Warhog Tactical, and he provides professional, comprehensive, mobile firearms, tactical, and canine training to law-abiding law abiding civilians military and law enforcement agencies um i'm glad to know that i am a law abiding citizen because i have also had the opportunity and the privilege to train under rick multiple times and i can say that he is the real deal rick hogg is the real deal so everything that he says um he again he just puts so much of just passion passion and, and inspiration into everything that he does. Um, so let's have him on. He also talks about, and he opened up about the power of trying to be 1% better every single day. Let's listen to that clip. when did your love for the canine industry come about? Was it like, have you always had a thing for working with canines? Um, can you talk about a little bit about your, your military and, and when was your first experience working with canines? And then when did your passion? Cause I know, I know that you're very, very passionate about, um, about working canines. Um, sure. We'll get into that a little bit later, but when did that happen for you?
2: So for me, I saw the value of the dogs very early on in the GWAT. So out of all the, and I hate to use the word tools, but I'll use that for lack of better terms. We we'll won't say tools, we'll say assets. I think that's a better word. For all the assets we had available to us, the canine proved the most valuable and most life-saving in my you know experience. Um, we had an incident one evening, you know, where we're chasing a guy off a target. Um, you know, big eye in the sky is saying, hey, he went left. And the dog's telling us, or excuse me, the eye in the sky is saying he went right, the dog's telling us he went left. And we listened to the eye, not the dog. And that was kind of the first point because the dog was right. And I wasn't a handler at that point. I was just a guy out there just looking for another bad dude. And um, man, I was like, man, we kind of wasted all this time. And the dog was spot on. And, and you repeatedly see this common theme, right? Dogs saving guys' lives, guys, dogs picking up guys that we don't see. So their nose is absolutely incredible. Uh, I had no desire, to be honest with you, wanting to be a handler. I, I got kind of voluntold to do it. You know, so it's like, all right, I guess so. Um, But once you do it, you find out, at least for me and the role I was in, the organization I was working with, um, I was basically an independent agent out there. I had free run of the battlefield. You know, I was still working with the same guys. I knew the playbook, and no one was really telling me what to do. They were entrusting me that I would position myself, my canine in those spots, do our stuff. Uh, When I was ready to work, we're ready to work. And, you know, no ands, ifs, or buts on that one, you know. So, you start figuring out that I'm bringing this amazing asset to me, the most uh, biggest combat multiplier on the battlefield. This canine, you know, so that means that there's added burden on me as the handler because yeah. not only do I have to train myself, I've got to train this dog, I've got to train for twenty thousand what-if situations uh, because you want him to perform, you know, the day of the game. So uh, you start, I guess, building this bond with this animal and. You fully understand he is there to give his life for us, so that we can bring, you know, humans home. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing people need to understand. You know, you're their advocate on the battlefield. Uh, I give you a prime example. You know, it's you've got to know when to employ him and when not to employ him. So we had an evening. Uh, we're going out. We knew there were ten foreign fighters in this uh, in the safe house. We're going to hit the safe house, and uh, the hierarchy's like launch the dog in there. I'm like has, you know, have they left? They're like, nope. I'm like, no, we're not sending the dog in because all I'm gonna do is get the dog killed. We wound up dropping 500 pound bombs on this house anyway. But my point being is you had to be the advocate for the dog. Um, At the same token, you know, you also have to understand every time you release that dog off your body, he might, you know, may not come home. So, you know, for me, it was one of those just quick little prayer of God, bring him home. And, you know, I was fortunate enough with Duco that, you know, every time he did, Uh, We were able to retire together. Uh, He lived the good life up until July 5th, 2001, where I lost, uh, he lost his battle, lost
0: Did you have any uh, mentors whenever you started your, like the canine handling? And did you have anybody that you kind of, or did you just self-learn everything through trial and error? No,
2: no, no, no. I I had some amazing mentors. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. I had guys teaching me experience, not theory. Mm -hmm. So, you know, You hate to bust people because, again, you can learn something from somebody that has, if you want to say, theory, Mm -hmm. but experience is the bottom line. You know, and you have a guy. So here's a prime example. Um, Did I have one? No, I had a bunch of mentors, right? All my guys on my team, um, you know, guys up at the kennel, our trainers, all that stuff. So here's a prime example. We're very much in tune to always keeping the dog on the left. Does it always make sense? Well, if you think about it, if I'm going to launch a dog and I'm on, if you're you're looking at the door, if I'm on the left side, he's on the left, it's a tight turn Mm -hmm. for him to go, Mm -hmm. right? Why not switch him over to your right side, give him a better arc so he can get in Mm -hmm. and go do his business. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, those are things that are gained by experience. Mm -hmm. Those are things that are gained from actually getting out there and doing it. Um, There's some things you learn on the fly. You know, I never thought, or, ne- or let me rephrase. I wouldn't say thought. I was never taught, hey, if bombs are coming in danger close, you might want to stick a muzzle on your dog.
7: Mm.
2: You know, that, that night I was telling you about, you know, dropping those bombs in that foreign fighter safe house, you know, something said, spidey senses were tingling. Man, we're pretty close to this thing and we're going to get rocked. Let me just stick his muzzle on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because I think it was four 500 pound bombs coming in danger close. He came unglued. Yeah, yeah. Would, he have, would he have probably tagged me? Probably. not. Not out of... Spite, just, hey man, what the hell's going on? So there's some things you learn. Mm -hmm. There's some things where, if you want to say your spidey senses tell you, hey man, do this. And at the end of the day, experience, in my opinion, is the key. Um, You heard it firsthand when we were out in the range. You know, When I'm teaching these guys about self-defense, I'm not teaching from a, a theoretical standpoint. I'm teaching you, hey man, here's what works. Here's what works to put bullets on target. To stop another human being that's willing to cause you harm. So yeah, that's just kind of Rick's rant on experience versus theory.
0: We have Sean Whalen at number two with the episode Getting What You Really Want Out of Life. Now, if that's not a title that screams, listen to me, I'm pretty sure there couldn't be a better title for this episode because this is coming in at number two. And Sean is an author. He's a podcaster, a leadership coach, entrepreneur known for his no-nonsense approach to helping others improve their lives. He is the CEO of the apparel company and the movement known as Lions Not Sheep. He is the author of the best selling book, How to Get Shit Done, and he is the co host of the podcast to the Sean and Sachs show with his beautiful other co host, Miss Saxony, who I love and adore so much. Had to give a shameless shout out to my girl Sachs, and go check out her earrings that are on fire. Uh, Here's the part of the conversation with him. Enjoy.
3: What I've realized in this journey that I've been on and, and, and not only becoming a coach and literally speaking in front of thousands of people and having thousands of clients, like I realized that in the simplest form, we're all programmed the exact same way. You, me, rich, poor, black, white, gay, straight, we're all programmed the exact same way when You didn't pick your name. I didn't pick my name. I didn't pick, I didn't choose to speak English, right? You break everything back down to when we were little kids, we were programmed. This is right. This is wrong. This is good. This is bad. And if you were born in a religious community, this is heaven. This is hell. If you do this, you'll go to heaven. If you do this, you're going to go to hell. And so looking all the way back to the beginning, I didn't know who the fuck I was. Mm -hmm. I didn't know why I believed what I believed. I didn't know why I went to church and why I did these things, because really my testimony was what had been given to me for you know, twenty years prior, right? I looked at what was success. You read the books, and you're like, "This is what it should look like." And here I was, and I had it all. But it was like, "Why am I doing any of this?" Mm-hmm. And so I realized, ever since I was a little kid, that I was a liar. I was a professional liar. You ask me how are you doing, I'm good. I could be literally crumbling inside, but we don't say anything like that. I just mm-hmm. say I'm good. Mm-hmm. And if you'd ask me back then, "Are you happy?" I'd be like, "Fuck yeah, I'm happy." I mean, look at my cars and my house and the whole thing. But inside. I was miserable, and it's an interesting thing because a lot of people think it boils down to money. You know, you're going to get a bunch of money, and then all of a sudden, your your life's going to be good. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, like, I lied most of my life because I did what I was told, I said what I was told to say, I, I and I followed the model of what success was. But I had no foundation in who the hell I was. You know, you go to elementary school, sit down, quiet down, slow down. If you have to go to the bathroom, raise your hand, right this is what normal is. What Don't say anything that's going to offend anybody. If you say anything that's going to offend anybody, then you get in trouble. So how are we programmed? We're programmed not to say anything, not to chase our dreams. Even though our parents are like, dream big, dream big. Just kidding. Go to college and get an education so you can get a real job, <laughs> climb the corporate and, ladder, right? And then
0: have lots of debt.
3: And then exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I, as I looked back, I realized that I lied my entire fucking life. And I didn't know how to tell the truth because I didn't know what the truth was. Mm-hmm. I'd never established who I was, what I believed. I believed yeah. what I believed because this is what mom and dad told me. This is what the church told me. I built the business because this is what success looked like. And I found myself in that spot just going like, why the fuck am I doing any of this? Where
0: where do you think that drive to be successful came from? Like, was it because you kind of like watched your mom like make ends meet and you're like, oh, like I'm not like you know, I'm going to do yeah, better than that. It. Like, where was, like, where does that come from?
3: I was like Gary V though. When I was a little kid, like when we in the neighborhood, the ice cream man would roll around and I didn't want to mooch off mom and dad. And so I would go door to door to my neighbor's houses. And I was a little kid, like mm-hmm. 10 years old. Hey, can we mow your grass for five bucks? And they'd, they'd let us mow their grass and I'd keep three and I'd pay my friends $2 to go mow the grass. So ah. I had in the, in the neighborhood ever since I was a little kid. Right. So I've always been, I've always had that spark inside. Like I look at things differently but I felt I fell into that conformity because this is what you're supposed to do Mm -hmm. as a dad. You're a newlywed. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what a father does. And so I think inside of me, that's the the beauty of of the journey that I've been on is, and then what I coach people and teach people on is is like, like what do you really want? Mm -hmm. My coach, my first coach asked me that question and well, I want, I want freedom. What does Mm -hmm. that mean? I'm I'm free to take this pen and stab you in the face with it. If I want to there's repercussions to it. (laughs) but I'm free to say whatever I want, do whatever I want. But why is it that I say I want freedom? Well, I want financial independence. I want to be financially secure. What does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's kids right now in the world that have like one pair of pants and one and one, sh- and one shirt. They don't have shoes. They've never seen a fucking soccer ball before. They're, they would be elated if they could even have dinner tonight, right? So when you think about these things, it was like, like what am I even doing? Why am mm-hmm. I doing any of this, right? And, and I think that uh, that drive really for the answer is what has been driving me like answering that question. I've asked millionaires, I've asked billionaires this question. And it's fascinating when you ask somebody, what do you want? See, people don't know. A lot of people truly don't know.
0: Mm -hmm. And you have to, you have to be able to define what that success means to you. Whenever I was little and I first started my uh, fitness career, I was actually a single mom. The trip and Cash's dad left when Cash was like four months old and like I didn't I didn't have like a degree I didn't have anything I didn't have a skill set literally the only thing that I had and that I that I loved that I was passionate about was was fitness and whenever I started on my journey I had like this uh I was like oh well if I could just be a published fitness model like that to me that would define success. And so it was like, I got there and I was like, I mean, it was great. Like it looked great, but like, it didn't really define what success meant for me. And I was like, well, you know, I just need to work, get a bunch of money in my bank account, you know, that'll be successful.
3: And then it's just, right.
0: And so I think that, um, it, you know, but, but looking back then it was like all of that, what I thought defined success was what I was allowing the outside world to tell me what success was or what success looked like. And I think that it's important that you have to, you have to create those terms and you have to define that yourself, like for yourself, nobody else can tell you what it, what it is to be successful because, you know, you, you had all of that and you still were not fulfilled. So that's what I,
3: I ask people that question. And if you really think about it, like everybody listening to this podcast, like, you know, if I was to say to you, what do you want? The first thing comes to mind are like those really low hanging superficial answers. Like I want freedom. I want security. I want to be happy. Right. Like people all say, what do you want? I want to be happy. What does that mean?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Then, you, then they have to actually describe what that is. And we don't know. Like you just said, most people don't know. That's mm-hmm. not a, that's not a, a negative statement. It's the fact that we're not programmed. We're not conditioned. We're not taught to ask questions. We were a kid why dad? Why dad? Why? Cause I'm the adult. Shut the fuck up and sit down. Right. I mean, I'm yeah. a dad. I've got three kids. Why? Why? Yeah. But just because yeah. So, like, we're literally programmed since we're little kids, not to ask questions, not to explore, not to go past the steel. I was raised Catholic. I joined the Mormon church and it was like, we're right. We're right. We're right. They're bad. They're bad. And it's like, as I stepped back from religion period, I was like, there's way more to this than what they're saying or they're saying. Mm-hmm. But It's that stay in this bubble because this is where safety is. This is where the conformity is. And the same thing in jobs and society and, and growth. It's like, no, 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 no. Don't risk your 401k. Don't risk your savings. Like you need the security. Well, then all of a sudden you're 75, 80 years old going, well, fuck. I didn't do any of the things that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you read about any of the guys that came before us, any of the moguls, the Carnegie's, the Rockefellers, the Steve jobs, of the world global, they changed the world. Right. But all of them said the same thing at the end of their book. They all say the exact same thing. If I could go back and do it all over again, I would have spent more time with my family and I would have done more things that I wanted to do. They mm. all say the same thing, every single one of them. So I'm looking at it now at 43 going, all right, well, you know, that asshole is on his deathbed saying this is what he would do if he was 43 again. So I can do mm. one of two things. I can try and play the IG game and beat everybody now or I'd be like, yo, he's saying to like live your life. They're yeah. saying to do shit you want to do. And that's weird for a lot of people because when I say, like, I don't want to work, the truth is I don't want to be in an office every day. I want to mm-hmm. be out racing my cars. I want to be riding horses with my daughter. I want to be playing on my ranch.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: Why can't I do that? Because because you can't because you you're not supposed to. You're supposed to work. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know about this. I'm kind of questioning this. It's like, is it possible that I could build businesses that would allow me to play on my ranch all day long? Is it possible that I could build Businesses that will allow me to race Aston Martin race cars all day long? Mm
7: -hmm.
3: Shit, I'm doing it. Well, Mm -hmm. wait a second. This is different than what everything that I've been taught says to do.
0: Coming in, no other. At number one, we have Miss Dana Lynn (laughs) Bailey. (laughs) (laughs) Don't listen to the critics. This is um, such a powerful, powerful episode of... Uh, paving your own path, not listening to anybody else, and really being true to who you are. Dana Lynn Bailey is is a champion fitness and figure competitor, a highly regarded athlete, a trainer, and an entrepreneur behind the DLB Daily app. During our interview, she talked about how to handle your critics, the power of working on yourself and staying true to who you really are and a lot, lot more. Here is Dana's episode coming in at number one of the 2022 year, Miss Dana Lynn Bailey.
8: I always tell people it's like, You can look exactly how you want to look with diet, with exercise. I mean, fuck, if you want to go get surgery, go get surgeries, whatever. Look how you want. But if you don't want to take that next step, which I never wanted to, you have to learn how to accept the things that you can't change. And like once you start accepting those parts, those are the parts that make you you. Those are the parts that make you unique. And I finally like figured that out. And I realized like, okay, these parts make me different from everyone else. And I started to actually like that. And th- that's why like something like my chest and I, I never, I have no issues with like, I think people like you should be happy with yourself regardless, like whatever you want to do, you should fucking do it. But it's never something I wanted to do. <laughs> my thing was like, I don't know how that is with benching, <laughs> but But something that was so, like, I dealt with for so long is now something I'm really proud of. Mm -hmm. And I think it's what a lot of people respected with me. Like, in the industry, like, I would go to, I used to lose shows. It would be be between me and another person, and they would give it to the other person because I didn't have boobs. And like that, and I had to deal with that because I got, I used to get marked down for being more masculine. It's like, Hey, we're doing a side chest. I'm the only one that has a chest. (laughs) Like, Why are you having us do a side chest? (laughs) So, but I find it very like empowering to finally take something that I used to hate. And now it's like my thing I'm most proud of. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a lot of um, self-talk. And it wasn't just me. Like obviously having Rob with me, pretty much the entire step of the way. Like I, I remember the first time I asked, I was like, well, cause like, uh, I was competing in figure at the time and I wanted to do something in fitness. And at that point in time, the only way to do something in fitness and be in magazines is like you had to do well at shows mm-hmm. and like, that's how you get sponsorship. So I'm um, here. I am getting dead last because I have too many muscles and I'm too big and I don't have boobs I finally was like, "So do I go get boobs?" He was like, "Do you want them?" I'm like, "Eh." <laughs> like, and I, as soon as you start making decisions based on someone else's opinion, mm-hmm. you've just lost yourself. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm thankful that I have a good head on my shoulders, and I have a husband that. No matter what, during that time, he just like I love you for exactly who you are. Mm -hmm. That's not going to make me love you anymore. Like I like what you look like, and Mm -hmm. just telling me I'm pretty just the way I am. And sometimes you just need to hear that once in a while. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I still need to hear that once in a while because it's not something once you get confidence that you keep for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. It's a constant. Like you have to work with yourself throughout your entire life. Things happen and. You know, social media is one of those things where you're on there, you're looking at all these perfect bodies and all these fucking filters and like, and no one looks like that. And Mm -hmm. you just, you just have to kind of just go with work on yourself, whatever you can do. And then the parts of you that you cannot change, you just need to learn to accept them for like, that's me. That's, that's who I am.
0: I, I love all that, Dana. I think that's so powerful what you said. Um, that the moment that you allow somebody else's opinion change who you are, like you've completely lost yourself. And that is exactly. that is so true. And I think that if anybody gets anything from this podcast, those words and what she said, like, hang on to that because that is so true. and and I, I think it can happen before we even realize it because we're so desperately wanting to to feel accepted or, you know, even when we hit a certain level, we always feel like that we have to keep getting better or changing things about ourselves possibly that just in order to like fit in or, you know, the comparison of, of seeing everybody else who looks like they're living a beautiful, perfect fucking life. And you guys have to stay true to who you are. I think that's so, that's so, so very important. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to today's Reborn Podcast of the Recap Show of 2022. My name is Ashley Horner with the Reborn Podcast with the Ironclad Network. I will see you guys next week. Bye. Hey.
2: Swallow your pride. There's nowhere to hide. What would you decide when it's on the line? Would you just do or die? Would you compromise or would you stand through the storm and roll with the tide? Would you be the one to fight or the one to hide? Never touch the sky, you don't try to fly Rocky Rose, but we stayed
3: unshakable Been through it all, and you're still unbreakable